is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. It does kind of remind me of like the line art of Picasso. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Why don't we keep the whole million? Providing insight. This reminds me of uh, Walmart Bat Horse. Commentary. Don't puff your chest out all hot saucily. And conjecture. The Supreme Court has <laughs> roundly rejected prior Fire restraint. restraint. <laughs> and now, Gutterball. Even your countdown sounded like you were sick. Yeah, a little under the weather. This is flu number two for me. Like, nasally sick. Yeah, it's weird. Like, this was mostly like a fever, headache, body ache, but in the last, like, day, it turned into this, like, nasally thing as well. I think It's like the fever eventually just brought out, like, my body, like, just revolting in other ways or something. Kind of like it turning inside out, as if you were the grotesque star of a David Cronenberg movie? Kind of. It's just like a, uh, I'm just kind of melting, I think. But I have the cough button ready. Oh, so more like so the I guy. Re, I, I re, yeah, more like I'm dying. I like reconfigured my setup here, though. Well, more so like the guy the from button. RoboCop who goes into the toxic waste. Oh, I love that then, guy. Yeah, and then comes wandering out all melty. And you know, gets I run over. love RoboCop. I just watched it like a month ago. It's so watchable. It's I've watched so great. it a lot. They don't make them like that. Special Agent Albert Rosenthal is in it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fucking A, right? Like with a great part. Ah. Uh, and then he gets his knees shot out by the guy from that 70s show. Right, that who guy. always plays like such a bastard. He's always a bastard, but you want Albert to grab that grenade. Like, now, on the other hand, like... Mr. That 70s Show Bastard, like, that's the best you could do. Like, Albert almost had that grenade. Like, he's he's fingering it. He's toying he with though. the grenade. He oh, but he almost had it, Brad. Even if he touched it. He could have thrown it. Still, it blew up the entire house in a magnificent explosion. I don't think he'd be able it. to f- throw it far enough. He'd have I to throw know. it, like, the length of a football field. It seems like you're, you know, if you're dealing with the power players of futuristic Detroit, which actually, as shitty as it was, looks better than current Detroit. I know. <laughs> so you prescient. Know, like, maybe you you would have had a better plan than just like, oh, he won't be able to get to it and throw it far enough. Well, no. <laughs> oh, shit. There's your cough. quick enough Where on the it? cough button. Here I'm talking. I'm talking while Brad has his cough button. We're saying interesting things, and soon he'll be back. But for uh, now, you're just listening to me. Oh, there he is. There I am. If you put the... Uh... <laughs> so what I'm going to try to do is preemptively cough. So while you're coughing, I'm gonna, or while you're talking, I'm going to take the opportunity to mute, try to like just cough it all out, so then when it's my turn to talk, I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> That was a little cough that escaped right there. But no, the, uh, no, but it didn't. It just was like a catch. It was a catch in your throat. You were talking, then you stopped talking. But there was no cough. There was no cough. I no felt like cough. there was a little cough. No, it was just like, I'm talking. Yeah. 
Okay. Not well, even was, that much. I was much. trying Not even to stifle it. It was a stifle. I'm trying to do the best I can for the listeners. But I think maybe... Uh, hey, fuck the listeners, Boddicker, Brad. Clarence Boddicker. How about that? We apologize to those assholes fan. enough last episode. Fuck them. Sorry, please keep listening. Um, yes, go ahead. Clarence Boddicker. Yeah, Clarence Boddicker. He Shit. threw the grenade. I think his plan, it, that's how sadistic he was. He gave Albert this little bit of hope. Little sliver of hope. Yes, it gave him that little sliver of hope, only to take it away from him. Well, maybe that was his ultimate undoing, like he was a little too cocky. Yeah, could be. They didn't count on the resiliency of RoboCop. No. Well, and he, you know, in essence, confessed to RoboCop, even though he's a cyborg and his memory is admissible as evidence in court. He was running his mouth off at him. Did you say inadmissible? No, admissible. Admissible, right? If I did say inadmissible, that was a big mistake. It's admissible as evidence. Well, I think it was your mucus talking. That's why Dick Jones was all upset. Sure. Dick Jones. Now, what's that guy been in? That guy is in a lot of things. Everything, but I can't name one thing. He's in a lot of things. He was in, so that guy's name is Ronnie Cox. <laughs> Stop it! Oh, that's his name. You, did you research RoboCop for this episode? Not for this episode. I've just kind of devoted my life to researching <laughs> RoboCop. God, man. I kind of just suddenly, spontaneously realized it might be the best, at least for me. I might be most useful of all the movies <laughs> to do a deep cast on RoboCop. Like, I'm already fucking there. So it's preempted Starship Troopers for you. Um... See, I don't. I hate Starship Troopers. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Because I, I watched that one too. I was on Robo a whole Cop. like Peter Weir, like Exodus, Exodus, not Exodus. Um, would be a different word. Um, Exajourney. Exegis. Exeg. No, I don't know. Not smart enough. I watched a lot of Peter Weir movies. But recently. Peter Weir, but you, you can get. Are you talking about Paul Verhoeven or Peter Weir? Peter Weir wasn't in Starship Troopers, was he? I'm not sure who Peter Weir is exactly. Well, he was in Twin Peaks. He's uh, the one-armed man, I think, isn't he? Do you mean the Australian film director that's done the Truman Show, Dead Poet Society? No, you're just googling now. I'm yes, talking about the one-armed man. Okay, the one-armed man. He's not in RoboCop or... No, he's the kick-ass drill instructor in Starship oh, Troopers. Oh, the one-armed man in Starship Troopers. Right? Michael Ironside. Sorry, Peter Weir, Michael Ironside. I get them confused one. Yeah, understandable, know. understandable. <laughs> yeah, no, Peter Weir. Perfectly honest or, mistake. Yeah, Michael Ironside, he's a great... Uh, <laughs> staple as well as lo- just like ronnie cox or that dude that eats the baby ruth in die hard which you've never seen i haven't seen i gotta get up to speed on that one so God how about this it. you mentioned albert albert rosenfield yeah albert rosenthal what about the ceo of ocp that's not dick that who is that um so here's my knowledge is falling down a little but i cannot think of the character's name right now God damn but it. the 
actor's name is Dan O'Harely or O'Harahy or something like that. And he played the um, rich guy in Twin Peaks that came in in season two. Andrew Packard. Yeah, Andrew Packard. That was it. At least I know something. So the CEO of OCP that Dick Jones was, like, maneuvering against, who was still kind of, even though, like, he was the CEO of OCP, he was somehow a kind of nice guy. Well, he just wanted to, like, provide jobs and create industry. Yeah. He was trying to make the world a better place. Lethal force machine drones. But, Brad, yeah. it's like it always is. No, you I'm know with this. You. I knew this. It's like always the like second level underlings that always shit things yeah, up. Exactly. No, he's exactly right. He just wanted to create a better Detroit. And is it so wrong if he makes some products. money along the way? Like, no, are you and I going to stand here and judge Elon Musk for literally saving humanity? No. Well. Until we don't know what's going to happen, right? But that's not him. That's his underlings right. once he gets, like, too feeble to control everything. Yep. Yeah. He He's the uh, benevolent creator of OCP, or in Elon Musk's case, Tesla and SpaceX. But then eventually they're going to be like, hey, as a, as, a, as a show of the awesome technology we have at SpaceX, we are going to blow up the moon. See? We can do it. Do you know that U.S. government actually wanted oh, to do God. that as a response to Sputnik? Well, let's face Not, it. The Russians kicked our fucking asses in the space race. Yes. We, so we got we, were, we got the last laugh, but like yes. they kicked I mean, our asses. I don't know if they kicked our ass. I mean, they yes. They pretty much kicked our asses. First to space, first to orbit. Like, come on. They were they kicking got our those asses. Things, but, then, but then when we were like, all right, fuck that. And then we sent three people to the moon and back, which yeah. is pretty much. The awesomest thing that has ever happened. Yeah, pretty much. In human history. Yeah. No, you're right. We win. But we were getting our asses kicked. When I say we, I also mean Ted Cruz, unfortunately, because apparently, according to my sources, he's American. He did some good Simpsons impersonations on TV today. damn it. Why do you send me that shit? (laughs) That aired on national television. Stop it. Why? Why? Just the same voice over and over quoting (laughs) Simpsons lines? Like... Like this podcast? It's the same thing! The same shit! And yet he is like a hair's width away from the presidency! And we're doing a big old thousand. Yes. Well, the world of Robocop is just becoming more and more apparent. Dude, the world of Robocop looks like frighteningly sane compared to this world sometimes sometimes i think you're right which is what surprises me about you not liking starship troopers when was the last time you saw it because i was on my paul weir kick and i watched both of those things here's why i don't like starship troopers oh boy he's afraid and maybe i shouldn't you shouldn't reveal too much. I shouldn't reveal too much about my <laughs> too allegiance late, with the bugs. Too late. Too well. That's the whole point. Well, no, I understand. It's like a parody, right? I <laughs> well, guess. Then what's where, your where issue? I, like I know you movie, have a deeper thing here. Is 
that I know so many people that don't realize it's a parody and like take it seriously. And they're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go enlist in the army right now. So in case there ever bugs, I'm going to fucking kill them. Like they don't. Well, okay, but when did you know those people? When or they people were like that say like nineteen years old? Yes. Okay, but you're but not fine. nineteen. They didn't get like, it. Yeah, I know. I guess I wish the movie made it more. How could it possibly I don't know. make it, didn't it more educate. obvious? Yeah, I don't know why. I guess I was just a little against that. I was like, you're trying to parody this, but at the same time, I can't. I don't. I honestly can't tell. No, I guess you're right. It's parody. But, like, it's still action. It's weird. It's just such a weird mix of shit that my mind can't fully, like, wrap myself around it. Like, RoboCop mixed it all together the right way. The political satire with the with the action and everything else. In, in a way that was more, that's just more effective, that just touches me, I, speaks to me. Well, hey, I agree that RoboCop is a better movie and it does all the things better, but, like, I... Like Paul Weir really tried to take it to the next level with Starship Troopers, and you know if you can't wrap your fucking bug brain around that concept, then that's your problem, man. Yeah, no, I'll accept that. How about Nancy Allen? Yes, I know who Nancy Allen is she's in the, five seconds. She's the female <laughs> lead in RoboCop, Officer Ann Oh, Lewis. yeah. Whatever happened to her? She was in a lot of shit back was in she? the day. She, um, I felt real bad for her sometimes. Like in the movie? Or yeah. The no, no, in the movie. Oh, she, yeah. Yeah. She, hmm. Now, RoboCop, the weird part where the guy is like, hey, do you mind if I zip up? <laughs> and then she, like, glances down at his penis and he kind of, like, sucker. Yes, because she is, like, or 18 inches away from him. Like, just pointing his, you know, I'm pointing my gun at you, but I'm literally, like, two feet away. So, here's my big black cock. You're going to look down at it, and when you look down at it... I'm going to use my manliness to fuck you over. Right. That's how that happened. Stupid. The fucking scene. So, and and meanwhile, you're giving the shit to Starship Troopers, but meanwhile, shit like that is happening in RoboCop. You're right about that. You're right about that. Jesus, man. I could just talk about this entire fucking movie right now. I'm so into it. I was not prepared for this one bit. You totally sprung this on me. (laughs) It's not a bit, man. These are critiques of quote-unquote current day, but they're 30 years old now, man. They're almost 30 fucking years old. Especially RoboCop. What's that? 88? 7? 9? What is 87. it? 87. man. That's almost Just 30, 30 years, years old, motherfucker. And, like, here we are. Same issues. Yep. Paul Verhoeven's dream of the co-ed shower has not come to pass, though. He no. throws that in, like, every movie. Well, you know, can we finally get beyond, like, gender bias and shit? But no. Here's one side, and here's the other side. It's always going to be the same, right? Yeah. That was... I don't know. 
what was I, 87, 11 years old, but I'd never seen anything like that before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like Verhoeven, It's kind of daring. It's daring. I mean, I think he has this, like, you know, I feel like it's this, eh, I don't know, it's hard to say. I don't want to read too much into it, but. Well, you don't have to. Like, it's pretty right in your face. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it, it is, it does seem kind of like a, uh, a, um, thing that they do. I'll just leave it as that. Like a political land grab or something? Like using the arts as an excuse? Well, I think, um, what you have is a, you know, in Verhoeven's world, like, people's bodies are so consumerized and objectified that, like, it just doesn't matter anymore. Like, pornography is just so rampant, and any kind of sense of, like, privacy about your body... I mean, I imagine in his world, right, we just... Because there's also all sorts of, like, very uh, flagrant um, open sex involved as well. It's just part of that whole milieu. But you imagine that, or you actually saw that in either RoboCop or Starship Troopers? I see it in there. I don't know. It's just a vision of the future that hasn't come to pass. We're kind of, even if anything, maybe a little more conservative about our uh, bodies these days. Well, I mean, you had the dudes, like, you know, threatening the girl with the knife in RoboCop. He pulls up, there's two of them. And he shoots through a dress and, like, blasts his penis to smithereens, basically. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? No. Like, what do you, what's the open sex? I'll talk about something. Well, like, the way the one girl kind of, like, humps on RoboCop's face while he's in the lab or something. Are you talking about when she leans in and kisses him on she his visor? She leans in and kisses him, and then, like, there's another scene of, like, something happening. <laughs> this is just in my, like, fanfic version. Because I like... just watched that, like, a month ago. <laughs> I don't think that happened. She comes in, she's all drunk, because it's a party, and they've got RoboCop working. So people it's like, in the back uh, are fucking, maybe. Well, maybe they're fucking in the back, but, like, come on. Cast the first stone, dude. But yeah. she just leans in and is like, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you're going to be great. I love you. Whatever. I don't know. And like, mm, lipstick mark on his visor. She's not humping him. Jesus, man. What movie were you watching? I think there's different cuts. Robocock. <laughs> That's a different that, movie, isn't dude. Isn't that what we're talking about? I'm sorry. I How feel about Leon? so stupid. Don't forget Leon. Um, Leon. Leon and RoboCop. Leo, Leo the Lion? No, Leon. Leon Nash. He was... Which one was he? He was played by Ray Wise, a.k.a. Leland Palmer. He was like Mr. There's a huge I'm connection. terrible. Right. There's right. a weird overlap between Twin Peaks and RoboCop. What about the portrayal of criminals? Like, <laughs> for instance, Leon, I guess is his name, Ray Wise, Leland Palmer... Which is pre-Twin Peaks. It's just hard to imagine. But he's just like, imagine what his day job is. Like, how does he get these gigs? <laughs> you know? It's like, where, does he, like, there's no Craigslist. Like, how does he sign up? How does he get, like, does he have trouble paying his electric bill? Like, where, 
where does he's not like a, I don't get the feeling that he's a full time employee of a glasses grenade throwing guy. Like he just gets work here and there when sure. he can get it. So like, what's his other job? Well, how does he like fill in the, the gaps? I, I don't know. I think his freelance career can can keep him going. Which is what? Not to mention, didn't the guys? Yeah, I guess not. No, weren't they? No, no. Remind me when when they go. <laughs> Murphy and Lewis are in pursuit in the yeah. beginning, mm-hmm. and they go to some like abandoned building, right? Where, where wasn't all the... that kind of set up like they lived there? Like there were like couches strewn about, and there was a television. And they were like sitting back and turning on the TV and popping open a beer or something, and then they're like, "Hey, what's that?" Yeah. So like, there's your answer. They just like live like homeless people, basically. Well, yeah, they it's set up like they live there, but like I'm more thought of it as like temporary quarters. Like they're it's, moving around through the desolation of Detroit, and probably like maybe a week here, a week there. Like yeah. it's not permanent. So I guess that's your answer. Like they're basically like criminal hobos who got to keep moving because it exactly. wasn't like too structured like it wasn't that comfortable there's just some like bullshit furniture cast about mm-hmm. yeah all right no i get your point though okay yeah so they lived there yeah because they threw the one guy out of the back of the van onto the police car there isn't a lot of honor among thieves in old detroit no, or New Detroit. Ronnie Cox was in a two-part episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Remind me who Ronnie Cox is again. Dick Jones. Um, is that with an X? Yes. Thank God. Which episodes? He. Oh shit! Okay, give me a second here. So you're more. Up on RoboCop than Star Trek TNG? So I'll tell you, it's a very famous episode. It has a very famous quote from it. I'm having a really hard time remembering the title of the episode. I'm under the weather. In your diminished condition. Yeah. It was the one where Captain Picard goes, There are three lights! Jesus. He was in that episode. He played... Captain Picard left the Enterprise to go on a secret mission where he was taken as a POW and tortured by the Cardassians. It was a two-part episode. And this guy, Ronnie Cox, took over as captain of the Enterprise. I imagine he was a huge fucking dick to everybody. He was a total dick captain. Who's Ronnie Cox in Robocop? Let's get back to brass tacks here. Oh, he's Dick Jones! Well, he's an asshole anyway. Right, exactly. That's why you think he's an asshole. I think you are, you have a, like, predilection. Is that the right word? Who gives a fuck for thinking Dick Jones is an asshole just because of RoboCop? And, like, maybe he wasn't so bad. Maybe he was doing the things that were in the best interests of the Star Trek crew. Felt that he was. Right, and I won't necessarily give him any guff for it. Guff. He certainly had a different style than Captain Picard, I'll just say that. Well. And it took the crew a bit to adjust. Kirk has a different style than Captain Picard. Brad. But but both of them were kind of likable. He was very much like... 
Well, maybe I'm that's going to be a dick to you and fucking listen to what I say. Maybe that's just kind your of captaining wildly liberal predilections. Is that twice I use that coming to the fore? I mean, it could be. I'm just saying how it was presented. This was the story arc, right? Well, maybe he wasn't the commander that the Enterprise needed, but he was the commander the Enterprise deserved. I might. I'll accept that. All right. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> nice one. Got to give you that one. That was pretty good. I'm trying to look up. Ah, uh, bug. That's what I'm trying to look up. And this is not a Starship Troopers reference. You mean that movie? <coughs> Excuse me, Bug. I thought you had a cough button. God damn it! I'm not quick enough on it. <coughs> no, it's um the um, monks. They're administered by. A person or an entity called Bug. I hate you. Okay, I hate you. Right. From the album Black Monk Time. You're saying this is in the credits, maybe? It's in the... Oh, Jesus. Did I just... Sorry. Well, I don't know. This bug thing. Was that mentioned? No, it is. It's in the credits. So did I just, like, transition us into the movie? Let's transition into the movie. I'm ready to go, because I have some shit, too. Some shit has come to light. (sighs) All right, so we'll play this, like... (laughs) Here's the thing, though. Are you ready for this? Because I know you don't listen to Gutter Balls. Neither do I, because why would you put yourself through that? But... Um, you know how at the end of our episodes we do next time on gutter balls, right? And then we play a little clip, like the previous episode, episode one sixteen, the third to last. There was almost nothing left on the audio of the movie, and I'm gonna admit I I cheated a little bit just so that we could get just the tiny little bit of like the last fade out of Sean Colvin's um, Viva Las Vegas. So uh, true. What? Yeah, that's true. Like there's, there's only an entire minute of Viva Las Vegas here in this, in this episode, you're talking about next episode at the end of the, are you talking about what happens at the end of I'm this episode? I'm talking about what happens at the end of this episode. Oh, okay. I'm, I missed that part because you're I have way to, ahead of things. I have to think about the future, Brad. It must be so nice to live in the present and not give a shit about what happens in the future. Some thought, of us have to think about the future, Brad. I thought you would just be happy to know I'm out here taking it easy. You know, it does make me feel good, but like, can't you? Don't. Ah. I'm out of here. I just dropped my Time joint on ju- the counter. Time is just a construct. Ah, well, as the Rambam said in the 14th century, <laughs> which the Rambam wasn't alive in the 14th century. Did I tell you that? Well, another one of Walter's tall tales, right? right. Putting on airs, trying to sound Putting smart. on airs. Here's all the shit I know. None of it's real. He's not like a film buff like me. Like, I could talk you up and down till I'm blue in the face about Peter Weir. But anyway, my point is, I hate you. Well, we should just play the minute. My point is, 
My point. What's your fucking point, Brad? I hate you is administered by <laughs> Bug. <laughs> we got to play the minute first, but my point is All like right. at the end of this minute. <sighs> yeah, next episode. Like next time on Gutterball, it's going to be silence. Yeah, maybe that's how it should be. The the next episode, <laughs> all it says is like, this film is copyright, and then there's the working title logo. That's all we have in the next episode. There's like 11 seconds. It's going to be our much ballyhooed three-hour episode. I hope so. <laughs> Let's play whatever the fuck is left of this movie for this minute. Yep, enjoy audience listening to a minute of Viva Las Vegas. It's <laughs> fucking awesome. What do you have? It's difficult for me to find my running time because I have to record on my computer. So what do you got? Just- 28.45. That's it. Seems like we've been doing this shit for an hour. 28.45. All right. Oh, Jesus. All right, let's come back. What time is it? You bring it back. 29.22. Bring it. Viva Las Vegas. There it was. I don't doubt that it will not viva anytime soon. There's NAB going on right now, not to date this. but That's going on right now. Yeah. Lots of good tech. Never been. Always uh, hear of it from afar. Um, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty fucking impressive. It's one of the most gigantic, if not the most gigantic, like conference centers in the world. There's Probably. over a hundred thousand people that go there. I think CES is bigger, but I don't know if there's a bigger conference than CES and NAB. It's just madness, man. It's like you should. Uh, we could probably go there, drop some acid, and you know, make you op- some great podcasts. You approach the turnstiles, the and it's like you know that you have to hand the man your badge when you get there, but it all goes fucking wrong. Oh, boy.
So administered by bug. That is curious. That's curious. And I can't find out what that means. No, neither could I. And I actually looked around a little bit. I just. Yeah, I'm Googling a little bit now. I missed that. But that's curious. I like that. Administered by bug. Bug. And it's administered well, you know what? by. It's B U G. It's all capitals. It's just something like it's a the. Little business that they have. The or something something group. Yeah. It's like some know. audio, their audio publishing company or something. Mm-hmm. But it's still a great uh, a great phrase. Boys of underground groups. Because the monks or sorry, monks were nothing if not an underground group. But they were also published by Monk Time Publishing. So I think this is all just like shit that they made up, kind of. Yeah, it could be. And Monk Time Publishing is also all in caps. Right. So BUG could very well be an acronym or it could simply be like the name of the guy that administers Monk Time Publishing. Although if you look at all the other songs... You want to talk to BUG. The dude and BUG would hang out and get along fucking great. They would, but if you look at the other songs and look at the published buys, they're all in caps, all right. caps. Exactly. So. so that's good. Well, no, it's consistent. That's what it's not. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying it's good. It, it doesn't kill my idea that bug. It has to be an acronym. I like to think bug is a dude. Well, right, somewhere. bug could be a dude. Okay, I thought you were saying the opposite of that. I'm sorry. Well, I yeah. started saying the opposite, and then okay. I turned around. I did a 180, <laughs> and then I kept going, and eventually it was a 360. But then I did another 180. So you ended up back where you were? No, I ended up turned around 180. Okay. so what No, you're wrong. I don't know which way I'm facing anymore. I think I somehow went from I hate you to mucha machacha. Well, just find a potato and cling on to it and spend the rest of your life there. You'll be fine. Oh, is that like a dig? That's a dig. I'm digging you. On the fact that uh, I'm such a Star Trek fan, I'm going to cling on to it. (laughs) Ha. (laughs) According to a good friend of ours, and I won't say any names, Star Trek is lame. I'll never accept that. I'm torn. I enjoy it sometimes, but also I understand how, like, I not, understand. not necessarily the show and, like, the ethos or whatever you want to say, but, like, maybe everything surrounding, like, all of the orbital debris could be considered lame. Like, it does get a bad rap, but... It's a little overwhelming sometimes. Like, there's some associations that sure nobody wants. To, like, where I come from, at least, nobody would want them applied to themselves. So I can understand how it could be perceived as lame. In my mind... That's where things I'm happen. Curr- I'm currently <laughs> just I'm currently on the USS Enterprise NCC 1701D. I'm just there right now. Are you in the holodeck or oh, sorry, on the holodeck? I need to get the prepositions correct. 
I don't want to piss anybody off. Um, no, I'm just uh, in my uh, closet Cap- on the starship. Captain's log. So this minute has a lot of. Uh, <laughs> it has all the credits for the audio. Are you scared of talking about? No, I'm not scared of talking about it. But we I mean we've talked. This is like episode one one seven. One one seven dash two two eight. We've talked about Star Trek enough, I think. Hey, Brad, can you tell me, like, what do those numbers mean when it's like Captain's Lug? Stardate two two one eight dash one one two dot. Seven six, you you ah, ah, ah seven. Like, what does that mean when he says that? They mean nothing. So they they're wildly it inconsistent. So you've researched this? Oh yeah. I mean, in like the next generation, and what I might call the next generation overse, they kind of like followed, tried to follow some logic a little Don't bit. Did you just say next generation overse? Yeah. Which I would consider TNG, DS9, and Voyager. I'm gonna die. Okay. Um, does that include... Uh, what was that shitty one? Uh, Enterprise? Enterprise. I mean, Voyager was shitty, too. Voyager. Voyager is what I was thinking of. Yeah, Voyager is unfortunately included in there. Okay. Um, Enterprise was kind of shitty also. But Voyager, like, explored a special level of shittiness? Yeah, Voyager... I mean, there was nothing inherently wrong with the show. I thought it was a fine premise, and, like, they set up the characters and all, but, like, each episode was just so inconceivably stupid. Like, the plot made no sense. They would do such weird outlandish things, even for Star Trek, that it was like, this doesn't even make sense. One example. Um, Tom Paris, who was the helmsman, flew an experimental shuttlecraft that went really fast. Wait, what's a helmsman? He, like, steers the ship. Oh, he steers the ship. Okay. Anyway, he ran this experimental shuttlecraft that could go super fast, and he turns into a Gila monster. Like you're talking about those lizards that are like black and white and kind of yeah. thick bodied and live yes. in the desert. He turns into a Gila monster. Why would that be in space? Well, he turned into one. He was a human. Right, but why would he turn into something that wouldn't otherwise be in space? Because like he went so fast it somehow He went to plaid. <laughs> he went essence, went to plaid and it was so zany he turned into a Gila monster. What was the name of that guy? Tom Paris. And then he kidnapped the captain. And what was the captain's name? Captain Catherine Janeway. Kidnapped her and took her on the shuttlecraft. See, I wouldn't make And that, went again. I wouldn't and then make she that turned person into a Gila monster. I wouldn't make that person a captain just because Captain Catherine sounds stupid. Like she'd never get a captain ship. That's a good point. Captain Catherine sounds like major major major. Major. 
Like they just make a joke out of it. It's not as ludicrous as turning into a Gila monster and then kidnapping the captain and turning her into a Gila monster. Well, that's fucking true. And then the inter- then the Voyager has to commence like a month long search to find them. <gasps> and are they, they eventually find them on this planet? These two Gila monsters. How did they get to the planet? Did they just float through space and go through the atmosphere and land on the planet? They were in the shuttlecraft. Oh, okay. So they turned into Gila monsters while they were within the safe confines of the shuttlecraft? Yes. <sighs> and then they got out. So they found the Gila monsters. Jesus, help me. On this planet. You asked for the stupidest episode. I'm giving it to you. Nice. <laughs> they find the Gila monsters crawling in the muck. I'm not above making mistakes, Brad. <laughs> They find the Gila monsters. Jesus. Turns out they laid eggs. They take the two Gila. They leave the eggs on the planet. They take the two Gila monsters back to the ship, and the doctor's like, "Ooh, let me like repolarize the DNA," and turns them back into people. And then they're fixed. And it's kind of like this open question, like, oh, this new species of human Gila monster is now down on that planet when those eggs hatch. Who knows, right? So that planet... Ooh, the mystery of the cosmos. So it, but it was like the stupidest fucking thing. So that planet's north and south poles had been reversed, and that was the answer, like the scientific answer or something? Something. Like the show, most episodes had a DNA is magic angle like that was the technology they used it was like oh let me like just whatever any any stupid ass thing could happen i won't say most uh, but like didn't tng have a lot of like time is slippery angles well time is slippery so that's not yes okay i mean that can be bad or good i will admit there's plenty of really good time (laughs) is slippery episodes in tng well, and you don't think DNA is slippery? They do the weird... No, not like this. I just can't accept... Well, one, if it was a good fucking story, I might accept it. It was a stupid story. And then it was just a stupid stretched beyond even like suspension of disbelief in Star Trek. That well, you d- could take a literal Gila monster. I'm not talking about a humanoid Gila monster. I'm talking about like they actually had a Gila monster on set. That you could like hold in your hands. And they like put it on the hospital bed. Was and it a big the button one, and then, like turned back into the captain? Like they have the technology to just instantaneously transform a Gila monster into a human. Was it a like like elbow joint to ends of finger type Gila monster? Like big or smaller than that? Like you know, elbow, elbow to elbow to fingertips. It was probably around that size. That's a pretty big Gila monster. I mean, I can't remember exactly, but it was just like a, a blizzard, like someone might have as a pet or something. But, you know, it's kind of big enough that it could fend for itself a little bit, maybe, in the right conditions. Well, apparently this is what happens to humans in the future. Um, We're just going to turn into human monsters. It just happened to them first. You know what the great thing about Gila monsters is, Brad? What's that? They're black and white, and they don't give a shit. They accept it. Yeah. So I think that's what they were trying to go for. You know what else is black and white? And red all over? A newspaper. No, these credits. Oh, boy. Come on, I got some things here. 
Fire them at me, man. So. <laughs> oh, boy. You said you had a cough button. Yeah, I know. I fucking lied, I guess. <laughs> the. I'm just off my game because my other, my usual setup doesn't have it. So I'm just not used to hitting it. I got to get better. The Slovak Philharmonic Orchestra and Choir. <laughs> Requiem in D minor. So I went through all of these. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we went through, we tried to identify all the music. I don't recognize half I think of these we things. did good. Well, which ones don't you recognize? There was three on here that I did not recognize, and I discovered what they were. Okay, well, what about... One of them was something that we talked about. What about PSRA sequence? Yes, I did not know what that was. Yusueli, published by Weston Edizioni Musicali, courtesy Weston Edizioni Musicali. What about that? That's one of the ones I didn't recognize either. What the fuck is that? That is when they are at, when the dude is at Jackie Treehorn's. It's the second it's song the that second starts one playing that halfway goes, through the right. scene. And, and I, I remember we called that out at the time. We're like, what is this fucking music? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not on right. the list of shit I have. Right. I don't know what Okay, it is. so that, how it did was. you figure that out? Um, so first, I, uh, I listened to it. I found it on YouTube, and I was mm-hmm. like, I have no fucking clue what this is. So you didn't recognize it even though we had called it out and listened to yeah. it? Yeah, I couldn't quite make the connection. Um, I just had to do quite a bit of deep Googling to find um, a page that referenced it and said what scene it was in. And then I went back and listened to that scene. I was like, oh, yeah, there it fucking is. You know, sometimes I get a little concerned when you do some deep Googling. Yeah. Like, like legitimately, I get a little, like. I can go a little too deep sometimes. I know. Don't get me started on the origin of who let the dogs out. Let's continue with the music for now. Okay. Well, what's another one you didn't recognize? I, mean, I can I can enlighten you. All right. Well, PSRA sequence, obviously that. Yes. But you told me about that. Um, I also didn't. Some of them you're going to think I'm stupid for. Um, well, like, I should know this. It's by Henry Mancini. Lou John? Yes. What is that? That Where is, is that played? Um, I me... should know Henry Mancini. You know, I should recognize that. It should come, like, popping out, like, lancing out like a laser dart. I should hear that. You know, it's very, like, I won't say Esquivel, but, like, you know, it's Burt Bacharachy. It's that, like, Bachelor Pad Loungy shit. I should hear that. Yeah. Where the oh, fuck that? is it? Well, you said it. Bachelor Pad Loungy shit. So where, where is, is it? it? Is it in the dude's apartment? No, it's in Jackie Treehorn's place. It's the oh. first song in Jackie Treehorn. Oh, so we already did that. Okay. That's it I right there. Right. Gotcha. All right, so that makes sense. Perfect sense. Um, the other one I did not know, even though the title should tip me off, is Pictures at an Exhibition. That Ma- Maud is... Lebowski's flat? No, that is no. Um, Marty's... Ah, a cycle okay. that he loved to get notes on. Gotcha, gotcha. What about Requiem in D minor? Requiem in D minor, written by Mozart, performed by the Slovak Philharmonic Orchestra and Choir. That is in um the 
uh, titular Lebowski's house. Is that when he's mourning the loss? It's of when <laughs> he is mourning the loss. Yes. Okay. Um, I also don't know. Like, I could just keep going through these. Stamping ground. Stamping ground was one I didn't know, and I had to be schooled on Moon Dog. Also, wait, I know Moon Dog. Wait, is that who? Oh, performed by Moon Dog with orchestra. Moon Dog. Yes, no, I, no, I'm thinking of Rat Dog. I know nothing about Moon Dog. Uh, Moon Dog. You mean Mouse Rat? No, Rat Dog. What's Mouse Rat? Is <laughs> Mouse Rat is the fictitious band that Andy Dwyer has in Parks and Recreation? Oh no, Rat Dog is a. It's Bob Weir. Oh, Bob Weir. More yeah. Weirs. The world is filled with weirds. Ain't that the truth? So Moondog, Moondog is Lewis Thomas Hardin, better known as Moondog. He was an American composer, musician, poet, and inventor of several musical instruments. He was blind from the age of 16 in New York from the late 1940s until he left in 1972 he could often be found on 6th Avenue between 52nd and 55th Street wearing a cloak and a Viking-style helmet, sometimes busking or selling music, but often just standing silent and still. He was widely recognized as the Viking of 6th Avenue by thousands of passerbys and residents who weren't aware of his musical career. Does it say passerbys or does it say passersby? Um, it says passersby. Okay. Um, all right, that's cool, dude. Unfortunately, um, so, he was before my time. Yep, but it's actually a pretty fucking awesome piece of music. I thought I was listening to it, really getting into it. If you Google it, Moondog Stamping Ground. But this is the music that plays when the dude, when Walter picks up the dude in his van, violating Shabbos. It's, it's, and, and they're it, going over his plan, and there's kind of like those... And it's playing... W- like, scenes. It's like, diegetic, supposedly playing within Walter's van, like it's on the radio. I don't know. We'd have to go back and Shit. look at that. I remember we might have talked. To, you know, there's the shots, like the flashback shots, and we talked about like, well, is this actually what happened? Is this what's in their mind? You know, it shows right. The, so it shows money there. The, like, yeah, putting right. the phone books in for the ringer, and then Bunny's the reading the magazine with the Marlboro ad on the back. The lightning's yeah. flashing. He's putting the phone books and yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's it, the song is this very kind of like boy, that's quick. Creeping up like like something kind of uh clever, nefarious maybe is happening. Something wicked this Doo-doo. way comes. Yeah. Yeah, kind of a thing. So really as I thought it was actually a pretty cool piece of music. Fantastic. I, I wonder how much they had to pay for the rights to put this in that movie for like such a small amount of time just like a couple of seconds really yeah i don't know we'd have to go (laughs) (laughs) that's to go back to find out yeah how long that was dude that was so smooth like nobody would ever know you (laughs) 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 and i thought it was really good like you really got you've been practicing thousand dollars for like three seconds i would say probably (laughs) probably (laughs) 
You're the so, best. So what other music were you curious about? Well, Tammy. Fuck's Tammy. Tammy is in the diner. With the nihilists? No. Or okay, the, when he drops the joint, like I did earlier. He drops the joint. He's in the diner talking to Walter. Right. And at the end it's like this hey, this affects our basic freedoms, man, that scene. Were you confused about me and saying drops the joint? Yes, I don't remember him dropping a joint in that scene. Dude, when he's like, I'm out of here, and he goes and like dumps some change. We talked oh, about yeah, this, an errant okay. joint. And the joint, joint comes out, yes, and he's okay. like, oh, fuck, and he puts it back in his yep. pocket and storms out. Yep. Yeah, all right, so that's Tammy, shit. And that's not on the soundtrack? No, it's on the soundtrack. We oh, talked okay. about it at the time. Uh, I forgot. Standing it's on the kind corner. of a bizarre song to be playing there. Why? I think. Well, it's Debbie Reynolds. She's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's just kind of like, but whatever. It's just kind of some background noise, background music. I is don't it? mean to imply Debbie Reynolds is noise, but this is it. Is yeah, that this it? is it. Let me listen to it a little bit. Just play it. Sure. I hear the cotton oh yeah. So there we are. I feel like that song, I need to go back. Like, what's the scene immediately preceding that one? He's in the limo, and he finds the toe. Any further harm visited upon her head will be visited ten times upon you, Mr. Right, and it cuts right to him, like, like, there was a toe, yeah, and that song, I think, it creates a foil. Right, it's it's totally that a foil. That's a great way to put and it. And you hear that music then right afterwards. Because like, remember, like to this space, we come from like the ridiculousness of Maud's loft, and like he gets picked up, and all of a sudden he's feeling better. Like he's having a drink. He's talking about how life used to be shit, but things are looking up. And he's like, I got a rash, man. And then all of a sudden, slam, he gets right. thrown into the car. Careful, man. There's a beverage there's here. There's a beverage right? here. He's got some plastic wrap over his drink. And then, you know, he was starting to think everything was going to be okay. And all of a sudden, like, things are definitely not okay. Because there is, in fact, a severed human toe wrapped up in gauze yeah and he is going to be killed if he doesn't solve this and like shit just got like ultimately real yeah like this is as real as it gets in the movie there's a fucking human toe and he's responsible so you get this like wafting like very enveloping almost as if you're like sitting in a field of hay on the top of a gentle rise, looking out at the gentle afternoon sunset, like casting its golden rays through the waving strands of wheat. And that's the foil to the severed human toe. So it's like, everything's horrible, now here's beautiful. And that's really the way to do shit, right? It's like contrast stuff. Contrast. Contrast. Yes. Life is about it's, contrast. Well, it's about the finding the balance between unity and contrast, is what I always say. I've never heard you say that before, but I'll mark oh, it I've down. I've said for that now. a lot. 
Finding the I've unity. I've said it a lot on this very <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. Probably in 20% of the episode. <laughs> finding the unity between. No, finding the balance between unity and contrast. I've never heard you say that before. But I, I like it. But that's just yin and yang, right? It's just like one emotion played against another, like competing emotions. It's just and, some Eastern thing. The, the way to, yeah, far from it, dude. The way to like kick up saltiness is to put a little sweetness in it. Bam. Bam, you're right. You know? Uh, I didn't mean to go all emerald there, but like, you know, you contra- it's like cooking. You contrast flavors. It's like the thing that might be the most separate and different flavor, like flavor wise. Maybe you put a pinch of that in your dish and it'll make it from that was pretty good to like, holy fuck. And I think that's what they did here. It's like they they found, like you said, the balance between unity and contrast. And this was a contrast. I think the song Tammy by Debbie Reynolds was the perfect foil for severed human appendages. Yeah. Because they could have kept like upping the ante. And then, like, people are dying. Walter shoots a guy accidentally. And again, you got to put yourself in a virgin, like a Lebowski virgin shoes, like, not knowing what's going to happen next. You know, the nihilists could come in with Rugers and just kill everybody. You don't know. They could have gone all no country for old men on us. But no, instead, they're just having some coffee in a diner. Debbie Reynolds is playing. Tammy, and I didn't even know what this song was. Shame. Shame on me, Brad. Mm. Uh. Traffic boom. So. Traffic boom? I actually don't know what that is. Somehow, in Piero my state, I missed. I missed that when I was going over the the list. Was that a I Ferris Bueller's it. Day Off reference? No, incidentally, accidentally? just if it was, it was accidentally. Okay, so you don't know what Piero Piccioni is. I don't know what that song is. I didn't look it up. I didn't have time to try to figure that out because I missed it. Uh, now this is curious. What about "Walking Song" by Meredith? Wait for yes, it. That was Monk. Yeah, I know another Monk. That was the third one. How many monks are in this? Movie? But it turns out there was actually you got an Irish monk. Five. You got monks. You got Meredith Monk. There's two more monks. No, two more songs. I didn't know. Oh, I'm talking about monks. No, I got you, monks. Yeah, monks are everywhere. Irish monk, monks, Meredith monk. Just happens. Monks show up. I don't know if that just happens. Like, did they intentionally be like, well, we got two monks. Let's get a third monk. You got to go in threes. That's art. Art goes in threes. Fuck it, dude. 
Can't be an accidental third monk. So, so what's what's walking song? Where do they so play here, that? I'm gonna play that for you right okay. now. You're really up in your game here in your I closet. Have it somewhere here. Yep, my you know I'm in the hot box. You're hot right. boxing now the this, shit I out of this. I don't have on my phone, so I'm gonna take my headphones off and kind of put them next to the uh, mic oh, for a Jesus. second. Jesus. Now that'll just short everything out, won't it? No, it'll be fine. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Did that work? I heard nothing. Really? Nothing. All right. Let me try again. Can't wait. Can't wait. Gotcha. There it is right there. Gotcha. That's Mod's Loft. That's Mod's Loft getting ready to go down on the harness and spray her paint on her vaginal artwork. Make bowling sounds and spray paint on her. Yeah. Yep. So Strong that's where it is. So that's okay. the walking song. All right, so I, I assume we venerate thy cross is in the funeral home. We venerate thy cross is right. in no, no. There was no. Stavi choir. That is. Oh, that's in the beginning of Twenty Two, the last movie, right? It is in the beginning of Twenty Two. Is the last it really? Movie. Is it the same shit? Don't say it. Is it really? I don't know. It sounds like it, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Um, this is... Um, this is after... She, he goes to Maud's apartment. Yeah. I'm really letting it, letting you all down now. Shit, it's on the tip of mic. Wait, who are you talking to? Are you privy to some other audience that's not me? Um, are no. you Are you going slightly mad? Slightly. You have to understand, I have a fever. I'm in a hot box. Um, I'm, I'm sunburned. My, sun is literally, my skin is like starting to fall off me from being charred. Did you get sunburned? I like went to sleep on the bank of a lake today oh, because I was so feverish. Brad, 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 Brad. You got to be careful with that. And I realized right before we started podcasting, I said, you know, I should go pee. Yeah, me too. I don't really have to, but I should do that. Join the fucking club. And I looked down at the toilet after having urinated and it was like pure brown. And I realized, like, I had not urinated since, like, I woke up this morning. <laughs> Join my like, fucking club, man. Problem. I hate when it gets all rust colored. It's yeah. like, oh, just because it's like festering in there for so long, it's like, oh it's shit. Just, well, there's just not enough liquid, right? It's you got the put... pure urine, no right. water, because all the water, all the liquid just came out of my pores. It's kind of viscous, you know? Yeah, it was just, yes. It's like as if you you put a little pot on the stove and, like, reduced it down, like, put some balsamic vinegar in there, just kept reducing and reducing until it's That's a viscous a, syrup. Yeah, you got it. Yep. You got it. I know that feeling. It was a balsamic piss. Ugh, yeah, I hate that, and it smells so bad. So, but you at least got that out of you. Yeah, and then okay. I took 
a um i drank a lot after that because i realized yeah this wasn't i wasn't taking good care of myself today yeah so uh Uh yeah i'm replenishing i'm hydrating that's good. I'm getting there. So, <laughs> oh boy, we. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about. Hey, what about there. Viva Las Vegas? It's the last music credit. It says also performed by Big Johnson. Yes, because we hear it in the some weird cover of it in the. Uh... Well, when Bunny's driving. In Bunny's driving. Yeah, but like. Is this the version we hear? And like, why doesn't it have all the other information? All it's it has probably is all the same name of the song, and then also performed by Big Jim. But wouldn't they put it there too? Maybe they don't have to. There's Weird. probably like serious rules about how these credits get formatted. You oh, know? there's yeah. We talked about that a little bit. Tons of yeah. Well, we never got around to talking last time about how much the Cohen brothers have to fight to get Senior Greaser mentioned. We didn't talk about that? I don't think so. I think I kept trying to bring it up and just never got around to it. Well, maybe we did bring it up. Maybe we did bring it up. I don't remember. But hey. Well, it is like the biggest fight they have with the studios. It's weird because it's like they can all the story craziness that they have. You know, the plot doesn't make sense. (laughs) There's like wanton breasts or violence nobody gives a shit but then they get to the end of post-production and it's like here's our credits <laughs> and they want to put senior <laughs> greaser in there and <clears throat> jesus and then credit yeah. the what the the grease pencil they use to like write on things <laughs> yeah they want to put that in there and all of a sudden the lawyers like come out like wolves to a carcass party and it's like they got to fight tooth and nail just to put senior greaser in there. After it's like the, you know, it's the it's <laughs> having the 2 hours of like whatever the fuck they wanted in there and they just want to yep. put senior greaser as a funny little credit. They can't do it. It's like they got to fight. It's a uh, yeah, it's the it's the inter- eternal struggle of the creative, right? You got to be fighting the lawyers. But they but they don't fight the lawyers for all of the content that they actually care about. But it's like, let's put a funny little thing in the credits. Like, who doesn't love a little Easter egg in the credits? And all of a sudden they come out of the woodwork and fight them. It's crazy. They shot this movie on Super 35, Brad. Aeroflex cameras. So Super 35 means 35 millimeter, but then a strip for sound? Well, What does Super 35 mean? It's I don't a, know. It's a little wider aspect than regular. 35. Okay, that's all it really means. That's all it really means. I mean, I was thinking of like how Super Eight has the sound, right? Um, it's the same film stock, but it's a larger image on that stock by using negative space normally reserved for the optical analog soundtrack. They just eliminate. Okay, the little I gotcha. area. It's the opposite the of what I said. I guess. So, yeah, they just use all of the available real estate for image. Because they're doing double system sound anyway. So, fuck it. Why do you need wild track on your your film? Just use the film for image. No, exactly. Makes sense. Yeah. And they were supplied by Otto I have it. I was just fast forwarding through the entire movie looking for it while we were talking. 
Well, good for you. I had an idea where to where to aim. It is um in the establishing shot of Maud's apartment where we see Knox Harrington. Jesus, how did we not notice that? I mean, I think it might even go through the whole scene. I'm not sure where it ends. But I'm trying to remember how that scene begins. We don't see him come through the door. Like he kind of enters. It's, it's the, like almost you're seeing it through the dude's point of view. Like he like comes the into the living area. Kind of like walking around the corner into the living area. Right, right, right. And there's a little bit of music in there. Yeah, there's music. I mean, it keeps going on even while they're having a conversation. You know what that makes me realize? I mean, Brad? it's very kind of a soft calming. Again, it's this this kind of like chorus. It's almost not really music. It's more just kind of like tones. But you know what soothing. you know what that means. What or, what does that mean? That what, it's non-diegetic, or that it's no, not necessarily. It means that like I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of this movie. If we missed a whole piece of music that went through that scene and didn't even mention it. Uh, that's true. Shit. That's true. I so, definitely have a nagging sensation that we've not gone deep enough. I don't feel I like feel we've somewhat incomplete as we're approaching our final episode. Sometimes you have to live with failure and other times you don't. And you just have to decide like, you know, when enough is enough and when you have to keep going, I guess. Yeah, it's a hard decision to make. So Space Cam Systems, Inc. They're still in business, according to SpaceCam.com. Okay, that's pretty cool. And this was aerial camera equipment supplied by Space Cam System, Inc., which I guess was when the dude is flying... Even though he's not there, like maybe they just got some aerial shots of L.A. Well, there's also a credit. Oh no, that's the uh, that's the stock. Space Cam is the provider of stock footage. No, that's Blue Sky. That's Blue Sky. No, this like, is a did... provider of like camera equipment. Right. Well, do you think the L.A. Oh shots no, could have been stock. No, that's probably stock. You know what this is? Shit, man. And I should know this. I did this in Lifter when John Whipple, sorry, Joss Whedon's on the beach. And we're going down and we're like, you know, zooming into him or craning into him and he's spinning around. Except I couldn't do it because I didn't have this fancy piece of camera equipment. What this looks like is something where you can like dolly in on somebody, but the camera itself has a circular rig around it so it can like rotate in 360 degrees so if you're directly over somebody you can like dolly in on them but the camera is also rotating so it spins around and i think that's when the dude is on his rug listening to the bowling championship cassette and they're kind of like spinning in on him that's what this shit is they've made an entire business out of providing hardware that creates this shot. Amazing. Well, let's face it. The people create the shot, but the hardware helps. Yes. But yeah, fuck. Look at that. I, mean, I could have used that. a highly specialized tool. It is a highly specialized tool. 
Wow. There you go. Fuck, I could I really could have used that though. Cuz I'm like <laughs> I actually, you know, we drove out to the beach. I was living on Prospect Avenue and it was like midnight or one o'clock in the morning and I'm making my senior thesis film. I think our friend Marty was there. Uh, my wife was, well, she wasn't my wife at the time, but you still might know her. Her name's Leslie. She was there. Joss Whedon was there. And like, well, we're about two and a half to three and a half hours away from the beach, depending on traffic. And I need this shot. We could leave now and get there by sunrise. It has to be sunrise. It's like, eh, fuck it. Let's go. And we drove all the way there. I think we left at like 2. We got there at 6. Sunrise was at like 6.48 or 7 or something. And kind of like now, I had to piss so bad. Right. Then we picked up this story <laughs> later on. But... Yes. The whole point of no, driving to the beach was so I could get the shot. Yeah, with the sunrise coming over the ocean, and then I piss on myself, whatever. But, like, so I could be above Joss Whedon and, like, be twirling in on his face. It didn't occur to me that I might have to think about how to actually do that shot. Well, no, I'll just, like, twist uh, it around, and it's like, right. you get there, and you you, you have, like... You know, we brought a step ladder so I could be on it. Then all of a sudden it's like, wait, this looks, how can I, I can't do it. So I had to fake it in post and just like rotate the footage. And I had to zoom my in, oh, looked like I shit, see. you know, stupid. This piece of hardware solves that problem. Bandage living in uh, LA. Yeah, shit, yeah. And having unlimited funds. So you had, you know, you put another note in the document, which I was kind of tickled by, but I, I wondered, did. yeah, I wondered what you had to say about it. Let me see what it was. Characters oh. and incidents. Sure. Portrayed. I mean, I don't know. We could probably leave this for next time, our epic three hour episode. Maybe, because I just saw something that said this in a movie I, or a TV show, and I can't remember what it was. And it was like, come on, how can you say that? The characters and incidents portrayed and the names herein are fictitious and any similarity to the name, character, or history of any actual person living or dead is entirely coincidental and unintentional. Come on! Right, well this is one of those cases because we talked about how this is based on Jeff Dowd. Who is a literal person who is literally alive. Who does bear a similarity. I mean, there's the uh, shot of him wearing the same clothes. Both intentional and maybe coincidental. <laughs> Come on. That's the lawyers talking, dude. That's just yeah. the lawyers talking. But they're fucking lying, man. They're fucking liars. Just fucking poop deck him. Next time on Gutterball.